welcome to Sad Girls Against the Patriarchy. I'm Allison. And I'm Alexis. And we are your sad girls. Finally talking about alpha males. Two episodes <laughs> in anticipation, and now we're finally doing it. I'm so excited. And you know everyone at home was like, oh, when are they going to get to alpha males? I just can't wait. I mean, I was excited. I've been thinking about it all week. Okay, good. Well, I haven't, but I thought about it today, so. <laughs> hey, but up. you already were, like, ready to go. I was go. pretty ready, yeah. Enjoy the break. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wanted to let you all know that we've also been working on our website and getting our merch back online. Yes. It's been a kerfuffle, but yeah. um, it's it's in the works, so thank you for your patience. Yeah, we were using a site. It's called Motif. This isn't a plug for Motif. This will be an anti-plug, actually, because... It just kind of sucks. I mean, it's good for low base cost of products. Anyway, don't use it. We're going to try Printify. And also, hey, if anyone listening has opinions on this, I'm still open. Yeah, Let me know. Nothing's, nothing's set in stone quite yet. No. We're, we're open, but uh, Allison spent a lot of time researching, trying to find uh, the best option. And I think we found it. But again, yeah, we're open. We're, we're open to new experiences. Truly, <laughs> yes. But getting our website live will be good just in general for professionalism, marketing purposes. One-stop shop. Yes. Quite literally. Right. So we'll have merch there. We'll have clothes and like probably mugs and pillows and whatever else we can find. Junkies, yeah. Probably. Um, we'll have links to the podcast. I don't know what else will be there, but something. Yeah. I mean, probably info about... Uh, oh, we could post our sources. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every episode source list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to be really organized with that now. That's a good idea. Okay, good. Yes, good. We're doing it. We got ideas. Well, we're going to dive in. We are extending our subject of evolutionary biology. The last episode I named Non-Monogamous Relationships and Evolutionary Biology. And then after two hours, I looked back and I was like, that's so fucking boring. Like, Allison, <laughs> I know you went to school, but you don't need to be that dry. Come on. Be funny. Be funny. Yes. So I Just named be it. funny. Just do it. I know. <laughs> yeah. As everyone knows, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Just do it. <laughs> Tell yourself to be funny. Usually, I feel like it's the first thing that pops in your head before you second guess yourself. Correct. Is the funny thing. Yeah. Anytime we play, this is a, a me and you conversation, but anytime Jack we play Box. Jackbox, yeah, yeah, you have to do the quiz. I'm like, mm-hmm. whatever's the first thing that comes in my head, because yeah. I'm always the one that finishes first. I'm just like, boop, 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 mm-hmm. go. And if it sucks, it sucks. But if I think about it, I know it'll suck. You'll talk yourself out of it. Exactly. Yeah. I n- renamed it to non-Mango Moose Relationships, which oh, is based which on a meme. Up. Yes. Do you know the meme? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Good. I'm hoping everyone knows the meme. If nothing else, I mean, it, it has like the same letters it's one of those things where you like look quickly and you're like oh i know hold on a second (laughs) yeah yeah there's a meme that's like i'm bi and i'm non-mango moose and someone was like what you're what and they said it means i only date one person at a time (laughs) oh okay queen (laughs) got it so meme reference as usual but alpha males are not exactly they're they're real but not in the way that you think the term was only coined in 1947 when Rudolf Schenkel published a study, and he was studying captive wolves in Switzerland. And he was watching their behavior, and he deduced that there is one alpha male and one alpha female in a pack of wolves. These wolves were not related. They were just random adults that were thrown together. And part of this, I realized, is because we hunted wolves almost to extinction, which is a yeah. bummer. Yeah, 
They're like just now getting wolves yeah. back like, in parks here. I was reading, I think that was like last year or something. And I was like, wait, I'm sorry, this is news because wait, we don't have wolves in <laughs> giant national parks. What the fuck? I never thought about wolves as being borderline extinct, but they're they're doing better now. Wolves are back or they're coming back. <laughs> they're Thank back, goodness. baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank God. I think it's a band. Also, the wolves. Maybe they're back, too. I don't know. We're talking about the animal wolves. But they were being studied in, I guess, zoos. I don't know. It just says That's in what I was going to ask what the captivity was. Was it like, were they doing it with the intent of this type of study to study wolves? Or was it they just had captive wolves already and they used it since it was already available? I don't know. But in my defense, I don't think it matters because no. if you're studying a group of adult wolves who are unrelated, who are in a, I know it was like a small enclosure. I remember oh, seeing God. that it was like, I mean, small, smaller than what it should have been well, for yeah, sure. They should be, they, you know, they they're need large. To roam. Yeah. They need to run around. So this is not a natural state. And it's even been compared to the idea of like, what if you were going to study humans in prison? There is a totally different social structure yeah. when humans are in prison. I don't know much about it. I haven't been to prison yet. I mean, there's plenty of time. But so far, don't come for me. My husband loves um, prison documentaries. He watched, gotcha. That's like okay. one of his weird things that he... It's like that's his true a, crime. A, yes, that is his true crime. If there's, But he also loves true crime. If there's a prison doc, though, he's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just, I have to watch it. So I'll get his input. <laughs> it's like, Please. Prison doc expert. Um, that reminded me that... We got a Spotify wrapped for the podcast, which I can send you. But it did say your listeners' top podcast genres were society and culture, comedy, and true crime. And I was like, of course it's true crime because it's ladies. Because it's the ladies. <laughs> you know what the ladies like? <laughs> we really do like that. Yeah. So which, again, I also want to do a deep dive episode about oh my, like yeah. why. Mm-hmm. It's got to be cathartic, right? It's like I feel afraid in my real life, so I need to have an outlet for that. I think that's part of it. And for me, it's... It, it's just so interesting seeing these people that are like murderers that their thought process because I'm like I never like I would never think that way. It's mm-hmm. so interesting that you think completely opposite of me. Where is this thought process coming from? It's just like I guess it's an interesting thing of finding someone completely opposite of you maybe because yeah. we're more empathetic. But right. I don't know. For me, that's where I'm taking. I'm just like this is this is bananas. This is just crazy. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but we were studying wolves. They were in captivity. These are not real conditions, like for how a wolf would normally act. It's how they will specifically act in this human construct that we made for them. So in that situation, he would see that there is a dominant male wolf and a dominant female wolf that are fighting for their position at the top of this hierarchy. And then in 1970, Al David Meech published a book called The Wolf, and he reinforced the notion of the alpha and said that from when they're a cub, they start to demonstrate these qualities that will indicate whether they will grow up to be dominant or subordinate in their little wolf pack. Meech's own website says about the book that this is one of the outdated pieces of information in his book. And alpha implies that you compete with others, become a top dog, win some kind of a contest. But wolves who lead packs in the wild are actually, they're a family. It's a family of wolves. They're related. So the top wolf is the daddy of the group. And the alpha, quote unquote, female is is the mom. And the betas are the pups, which isn't really a correct way of looking at it. Yeah, that's just a family. <laughs> yeah, right. It's <laughs> <That's> just families. <laughs> This is a quote from him that was referenced in You're Wrong About. They did an episode on alpha wolves a while ago that I just, I love it. It's a little scathing note here. So Meech said, 
In natural wolf packs, the alpha male or female are merely the breeding animals, the parents of the pack, and dominance contests with other wolves are rare, if they exist at all. During my 13 summers observing the Ellesmere Island pack, I saw none. Thus, calling a wolf an alpha is usually no more appropriate than referring to a human parent or a doe deer as an alpha. <laughs> okay, alpha male, oh doe my, deer. Wow. <laughs> Saving indeed. Yes, yes. So Meech backtracked. He shot down Schenkel's research on which his own work had been based and saw no dominance hierarchy amongst wolves. The alpha wolf doesn't exist. I mean, I would say it doesn't exist in nature. Yeah, Yeah, not in nature. But like, period, if you put people in prison, they're going to act differently. I'm sure if you put any animal in a captive situation, like they're just going to act in a way that is unnatural. Well, yeah, I mean, we even have like idioms about that, like acting like a caged animal. Mm, that just means you're true. like you're rabid, you're you're scared, and you're lashing out, and you're acting, yeah, not in a natural way. Like if you have a dog in a corner and cage them up and have them be fearful, they're gonna growl at you, even though they're normally like a literally a little puppy dog. Yes, wolves don't have a hierarchy. Chimpanzees do, and some animals do. So dicks. <laughs> maybe it's because they share ninety-eight point eight percent of their DNA with us. Yeah, which is the real by my statement. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, that number fluctuates a little bit around the internet. That's according to the American Museum of Natural History. Ninety-eight point eight. That seems like a lot. That seems like a lot. I don't really know what DNA is or means exactly. <laughs> like I don't really know what that implies, but a lot. Of it still stuff. seems like a lot. Yeah. yeah. Chimps do have an alpha. And primatologist Franz Duval, he wrote a book called Chimpanzee Politics that was first published in 1982, and he used the term alpha male in his study of chimp behavior. Politicians and business people would reference the book. Newt Gingrich recommended it, (laughs) and it continued this momentum from Schenkel and Meech. And Franz Duval has also backtracked and since clarified that alpha is actually a position and not a personality type. It's like a role that you take on. You're like the leader of the group. Yeah. And it just means more of like, I mean, I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's like you're just making sure the whole group's okay. Like, are they fed? Do we, are we safe? Is it like that kind of leader position? Like a president supposed to be? <laughs> I was going to say it is like being a president or a manager and that it's a title. And yes, they do look out for their people. So they can be nice in their personality or not as nice. It's not really relevant because there's going to be individuality between these different alpha chimps. Primate societies are political, I found out. They got coalitions. Yeah, and like we were talking about last week, there's just so many different types of monkeys and primates and how their structures work and what they're doing up in their business. It's really interesting. Truly, they got business with chimpanzees. They have to campaign for their position as alpha. What? They have to, like, kiss babies and be really nice to the rest of their group. I'm sure it's adorable. Oh, my gosh. Male chimps don't normally interact with infant chimps. I don't think even their own. But when they're campaigning, they do. Like, they'll show affection. And, of course, you immediately think of the politicians out there kissing babies babies. and holding up, like, look, I can be trusted with a child. You can trust me. Male chimps trying to be alpha, they might show off their strengths, but they also for sure need to make sure people have food. And they show empathy. 
Franz said that in all mammal studies, female mammals have more empathy than males. <laughs> Surprising no one. <laughs> so that's not specific to us. And he specifically has studied empathy in primates. So he, he was pretty confident about that. But alpha males will test as above average in empathy. So I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but what I'm getting at is that when a yeah, dude says, I think yeah. there's a meme about this too. It's like when a dude says he's an alpha male, it's like, so what you're telling me is you're the dad of the group and you have like snacks and you want to make sure that everyone's like tucked in at night. Yeah. Yeah. It's the soccer mom. Yeah. Like she's taking care of everyone in the van. You're the most empathetic. You're yeah. You're like the mommy of the group, basically. The Chim Society has to agree to give them power, and they have to earn it by being nice. It's not like they just slaughter their competition. It's like they get voted in. So they're democratic. <laughs> they're like more democratically <laughs> elected than our current oligarchy is. Probably so. Wow. I think that's because they're they don't have like lobbyists. They're in a more natural state where your genuine qualities make a difference in your success. They can't buy their. Maybe they could buy their way in with chimpanzee food, I guess. Yeah, but like food or mates, something. There are Yes, I was going to say, so there are high-ranking females in the chimpanzee. I don't remember. Is it a tribe? Is it a group? Is it a community? It's probably like all of those things. I was about to say, I was like, is it, What's are, the right like, word? Is it like a murder of crows? Where it's like <laughs> sure, a, a so. gaggle of geese. <laughs> <laughs> a group of chimps is called, wait, what? I feel like I was just hearing group and community around. I don't, I don't remember seeing it. A group it. of apes or chimpanzees is a shrewdness. Yeah, see, I don't know how common that is, maybe in the academic papers, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, any type of group of ape is called a shrewdness. That's probably why Franz Duval called them a group instead of yeah, a shrewdness. They all have such stupid... Like, who, who sat name. around and decided all of these names? Because they're so stupid. I don't know. At least it gives us something to talk about. Oh, yeah. It's a great trivia knowledge. There we go. So in the group, there will be high-ranking female chimpanzees as well. They're not... They're not the alpha, but they can rally support behind a certain male. And then so they're like the first ladies, they'll have influence or I yeah. was kind of picturing them as the campaign manager. Well, first ladies have their own like thing, but yes. campaign managers also they could be both. Yes. You know, a little bit of both. A smaller, weaker chimp can totally take the alpha status if he has a strong group of supporters around him. It's not necessarily the strongest, biggest chimp. Isn't that interesting? This is so great. <laughs> <laughs> like this is really good for what I'm gonna say later. <laughs> oh no, I'm just no, Which is I'm true. Even, it's no, I love that. Yes. I'm saying later, I just it's just gonna be so great. I hope I run into a piece of shit dude in the <laughs> in, <laughs> in the wild. At him. <laughs> no, well, I really do. I think this is all such yeah, it's such good retort for pickup artist commentary, which is what we're talking about today as well. Yeah. Like this is perfect material. So bonobos are also a close relative of ours, and they have a matriarchal society based. Mm-hmm. And they have an alpha female in their society. So base bonobos. Base yeah. bonobos. Yeah. So you can't throw this around either that it's like only alpha males exist. I mean, if they exist at all, it's as a position, not a personality type. And alpha females, they're out there too. Alphas will lose their position if they become sick or weakened. And as they get older, they might form coalitions with other high-ranking chimps to try to maintain their status, to hang on to their power. But it's not through aggression or dominance. It's kind of like political intrigue here where they're demonstrating unity of like, well, I'm getting older, but like I still have all my, all my friends around me who are strong and powerful and they believe in me. 
they network with each other. And in this time, like chimps can be very generous. They can share food. The alpha position is very stressful as well. They can test an animal's stress levels, like their their cortisol levels. And in baboons, which I think Franz Duval primarily focused on chimps, but baboons also exhibit a lot of the same behavior. The alpha males will have the highest cortisol level as the lowest ranking members. It was an interesting chart because it was like your stress level, if you're the lowest like a, ranking. It's like a bell curve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like a, like a this Inverted kind of. Inverted one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. The lowest ranking primate has high stress and then the stress goes down as their rank climbs until you become the alpha and then your stress goes way up because you have responsibility. Right. Yeah. They have responsibility of keeping the peace. So yeah, like exactly what you were saying where it's like you're the one who's taking care of other people. And that makes them that makes them motivated to be good, kind, and impartial leaders. So that if they're challenged, and as they get older, they have support. It's almost like we talked about previously, where if you have an empathetic leader, you're more likely to have people be loyal to you and right. want to do things for you because it's communal. Oh my god! <laughs> it all comes back around. All, everything comes back. You have to it's listen to this podcast in order. Apparently, I was always going to say you don't have to, but sometimes oh. I feel like you do. They're compounded. There do be callbacks. Oh, yeah. Franz Duval was also telling a story about how in captivity there was a female alpha chimp who was named Mama, who recently passed at the age of 59. So rest in peace, Mama. Also old. I didn't know. Some primates can be pretty freaking old. That's like old. That's like human old. Yeah. And she was the alpha of her group. And she wasn't the biggest or strongest, but she was the one who was like the heart of the group, the center of the group. The chimps would go to her for comfort and support. Yeah, she is the matriarch. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, the alpha bros, they just don't know what they're talking about. No, it's also <laughs> like we talk about where people get a, like a smidgen of science and then they just put it onto whatever fits their narrative. Absolutely. Which is just weaponizing science and we weaponize therapy and we like doing all of this stuff and being really toxic. If anyone does that shit, they're toxic. Run! I know. Jonah <laughs> Hill was like violating my boundaries. Mm, no. No. I wonder how um, – I never watched it, but he did that documentary with his – I think it was just with his therapist. Did you see this? No. It was like, oh, no. I didn't watch it, but it was like all in black and white. I was trying to be artsy, but it was basically like a narrative on his therapist and how much he's helped him or whatever and how great his therapist is. And I wonder how good that's doing because that came out before the text. Oh, it did. Yeah. Oh. So I wonder how, uh, how, how that has fared since. Probably not well. So what about the validity here of... Do women think that dominance is actually more attractive? If we've kind of shot down the idea that alpha males exist in nature as the most sexually desirable member of the community. Like, yeah, actually, alpha males in primates, they do be fucking for sure. Mm -hmm. But that status is based on being empathetic and caring (laughs) and taking care of people. Being a caretaker. Yeah. (laughs) And um. I was going to say, spoiler alert, that is um, something that has been proven that women find attractive is altruism and Mm -hmm. displays of showing that you care by having things like a dog or being altruistic or selfless. Women find that attractive. So, yeah, if you're like a caring person, you're more likely to get laid. I love that. It's nice when there's justice. Truly. There is a research article, Kruger and Fitzgerald. It was in the USC Social Sciences faculty publication, and it's called Reproductive Strategies and Relationship Preferences Associated with Prestigious and Dominant Men. 
They're looking at a couple different strategies here. So ambitious and assertive men who exert authority over others and intimidate competitors are using a dominant strategy to become the quote-unquote alpha male and obtain desired women. But the prestige strategy here is when men achieve high social status through social alliances and demonstrate useful social aptitude and abilities. So already, I mean, there's a breakdown here of like the alpha male is the one who uses social alliances. So we shouldn't be talking in terms of alpha, but we can at least say, yes, there is a difference here between being dominant in the sense that we will use it or the pickup artists will use it where it's like you are more powerful than the people around you. You're the dominant one versus being pro-social with what they're calling the prestigious strategy where you're thinking about other people. It's also fucked up the mending strategies as they interact with other people and try to attract yep. women. I mean, the underlying, the TLDR of this is men do not think of women as people and that we are things to be conquered and that we need strategies rather than just like interpersonal communication and getting to know someone on a level as another human being. We are things that we have to strategize and have plan names for to be able to acquiesce the product. Yeah, if we just viewed women as people, that people you could like have a conversation with, start to understand, see that we're complicated, we have different preferences, that would probably help. That would, uh, yeah, yeah, but that's that's asking a lot. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's like the only advice I give to male friends when they're like, oh, I have like trouble talking to girls. Like, what's your advice? And I always just tell them, um, start with talking to them like a person and I'll help you out. Like if you saw a dude and you're not attracted to men and he was wearing like a t-shirt of a band you really like and you like wanted to talk about it, how would you start that conversation? I love this exercise. (laughs) That's what it is. It's like, it's the same thing. You're like trying to find that's how you right. make friends. Like, start in that same exact place. It's just like kind of thing where it's like trying to explain empathy to a man. And you're like, okay, picture this, like thought experiment. Yeah. What if it was happening <laughs> This is to crazy, you? but let me just throw something out there. <laughs> I know. Picture this. What if it was a man that you weren't attracted? Now imagine that's a woman. Like, Yeah, that's also on. wearing a band t-shirt of whatever <laughs> right. band you like here. Whoa. <laughs> what, would, what would you say? Like, oh, are you going to go see them when they're here next week at the Greek? Oh, no, I wasn't able to get tickets because I'm going to this show. Oh, you like that band too whoa it's that easy conversation it's that easy my friend yeah dr jeremy nicholson is a doctorate of social personality psychology he reviewed this research article and he gave a specific definition of what we're talking about with dominant versus prestigious strategies here so dominant men they're characterized by behavioral attractiveness so they might do things that are supposedly attractive to women like using strong and passionate eye contact or Touching a potential romantic partner confidently, they're focused on very masculine features like physique and maybe their style and ask for what they want directly. But prestigious men, on the other hand, are characterized by psychological attractiveness, which is about creating connections, demonstrating skills and talents, they're good conversationalists, they develop strong rapport with others, and they use words to build attraction. Just listening to that, I feel like prestigious men are sounding a lot more attractive to me. Yeah, I'll say personally, <laughs> yeah. um, the latter sounds more right. up my alley. Right. Or perhaps, I mean, I could I could take prestigious and dominant, but I feel like dominant without prestigious using this metric yes. wouldn't work. Correct. And that's a lot of, I mean, again, I didn't deep dive this because I was just trying to get 
top level mm-hmm. of all of this, but that's yes. kind of what it says too. It's like the trope that women like asshole men. It, not really. They'll like some of these qualities, but if you have those qualities without being a provider or having skills or having yeah. whatever, then it's bad. And they even say women have been known to be attracted to men with narcissistic personality disorder, but that once they get to know them more and sort of that honeymoon phase wears off, they end up hating them because it's it's like, okay, I'm over the confidence. I'm over all this. Now you're just self-centered and you aren't empathetic and you aren't thinking about other people. I just liked the confidence that you had. And you were confident because you think you're hot shit. Right. Right. So those usually don't pan out well, even though they might in the short term. They don't in the long term. Ooh. And as a matter of fact, they learned from this study that women prefer dominant men as short-term mates and prestigious men as long-term mates. Yep. Although men, also included in the study, were generally accurate in predicting women's partner preferences, they significantly overestimated the degree to which women would find the high-dominance men more attractive for all types of relationships. Uh Uh-huh. So... (laughs) And that's the thing, too. A lot of these negative tropes about what women like are more perpetuated by men. men. Yes, 100%. We have our mutual friend who thinks like he's dead set on like having a six pack because he thinks women like six packs and women like ripped dudes. And I have told them time and time again, I'm like, no, they don't. No. No, they don't. I think they look weird. I think muscly men are so (laughs) gross and weird and disgusting. Like, it (laughs) freaks me out. I'd rather a chubby dude all day rather than, like, some ripped magic mic ass. Yeah, I think in moderation, sure. Like, I'm not opposed to muscularity in moderation. But when it's their personality type or when it really just kind of... It can just be supersedes just, everything. Yeah. And it's like creepy <laughs> yes. and like their veins are bulging yes. and like yes. they're like always oily for some reason. Right. Right. <laughs> What's happening? We even just focus on the physicality of that, like not working for me and doesn't work for a lot of people. Well, I and think. I also I think maybe it's subconscious. I, again, this is personally if I'm seeing someone that's that in shape, it's like, OK, they're really dedicated to that. But that's like really dedicated to their like appearance yeah and maybe their attractiveness to women yeah yeah and i make i do you're right i make judgments on their personality type based on that how ripped they are yeah mm-hmm. and again and it's negative. Like, like you said it's like a little muscle like like you right. know some like nice arms sure. with like some definition like that yeah, like you yeah, go to the gym yeah. great great yeah you're healthy but yep if you're you know <laughs> yes I don't like it. <laughs> and you'll see those guys on dating apps and they always have like looking for a girl to go to the gym with, a girl who's fit, who cares about her appearance. And it's like, cool, like you need her to also be really thin and hot and muscular. Otherwise, get the fuck out. Yep. I have a note here that I was just because yeah. half my notes is just me like complaining about complaints. Yeah. As and, it should. Yeah. A lot of, again, with like this pickup artist rhetoric is males viewing themselves as victims and talking about like societal pressures and all of this stuff, which I mean, look, I totally get it. But it's this idea that, you know, you don't understand men have all these pressures to perform. We have all of this. But when women say, hey, we also get a lot of pressures from society to like be thin or look like this or whatever, it's completely dismissed. But when men talk about their societal pressures, we're supposed to like all stop and be like, oh, my God, I know what you're saying. Or baby. Like we have to give them all of the empathy in the world because it's like sometimes people want me to like have a good job. And it's like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, me too, honestly. I mean, so should I. But yep. like I'm I'm told I'm worthless if I'm not like 25 and a size zero all the time. So 
what? Like, but when we complain about it, I feel like it gets completely dismissed. It's not, it's not a real thing because it's not something they struggle with. Yeah. I have a meme ready to post. It's women just come on out and say, you don't care about men's suffering. It's like, okay, I don't care about men's suffering. (laughs) I saw another meme that was like, men suffer in silence. It's like, then why don't they shut the fuck up about it? (laughs) Yeah, that silence is real loud sometimes. Yep. Yep. I kind of lost a friendship. I doubt he listens to this podcast, though. He does follow the meme page still. Over the six-pack thing, it was a guy who was losing a lot of weight and was really proud of that. And I was like, cool, that's that's great. And then he was talking about how he needs to lose more weight to get a six-pack because that's what women want. And it really pissed me off. And I kept trying to tell him, like, no, it's not. And then I got really drunk. And then I'm just as good at talking anymore. And I shouldn't have said (laughs) it like this. But I was like, no, you know what? Honestly, like, you... I guess the way bodies work, and I don't really understand this, but you have to lose all of the weight you can lose before you can develop a six pack. You can't like lose some of your tummy fat and then the abs will emerge. I think you have to. What I was understanding is lose all the tummy fat that there is to lose and become very, very little. And then you can develop the six pack abs, whatever. But he was going on about that and I was getting pissed off and I told him, like, you know what? Honestly, if women care about something more, it would actually be you not being super, super tiny thin. And like, I'm not saying that they care about one body type or another, but the obsession with six packs is so off base and losing all the way you can possibly lose to achieve this is stupid and like not even going to be effective. It did probably come across as body shaming, and um, that was. I mean, that, good. it's a fine line, but I'm, I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, it's like you're trying to achieve a body type of a six pack based on what you think women like, even though I don't know a single woman that no. is like, if they don't have a six pack, then they're yeah. not going to the fuck zone. Like, I don't Literally, know anyone no. like that. Yeah, and then you're also making yourself in the societal way more unattractive to yes. women by getting scrawnier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I can say I do know, and I feel this way myself, not that like even a man's body type is nowhere near the top of the list of things for me that I care about. not even in the top 10. (laughs) Literally, but still, like, I feel weird if a guy is like smaller and littler or thinner than me, because it's like kind of nice if you could pick me up, you know, and that's just me. It's not true for everyone. I definitely know women who are bigger than their partners and don't care about that at all. Like that totally exists out there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I feel like there's a correlation that all the really tall women I know, like I'm talking over six feet, yep. all their dudes are shorter than them. Yeah. And they don't give a shit. I know. And I'm like five foot two. And I'm like, it's always mm, like that. I like them to be tall. You know what? Maybe mm-hmm. it's genetic. Maybe it is. Maybe. It's an evolutionary <laughs> thing where you're just like, I small. He need to be big. We make medium babies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But me like tearing down all the evolutionary myths, like they're all ridiculous and not based in science, except for the ones I decide to say right now. <laughs> also, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you're attracted to what you're attracted to. And everyone's ideal attractive partner is all over the place. And even sometimes you might find something attractive later because you like that person's personality. And then that whatever body type they have becomes attractive to you because it has a positive connotation. It's just attractiveness is weird. okay? And sometimes we don't understand why (laughs) we like someone. It is truly, yes. Yeah. Thinking about all the people I liked that I didn't want to like. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. But you can't reduce it to they have a six pack, therefore they're attractive, or they are domineering, therefore they're attractive. It is more complicated than that for sure. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of what this is at the end of the day, is these types of men thinking of women as a monolith. Like all women like XYZ. 
and there is no variation and there is no nuance. And if I'm not X, Y, Z, then I won't get laid. And if a woman doesn't like me when I'm displaying X, Y, Z behaviors, then she's the problem. Uh It could never possibly be that I'm an unpleasant fuck. It's all women are the problem, which is, again, most of what pickup artist commentary is, is that there's nothing wrong with you. You're a nice guy. You're all of this. It's women that are the problem. And women have this like hive mind of just wanting men for their money. And you have to go in and knock them down a peg because they think they're better Mm -hmm. than they are. And then you have to conquer them with these strategic plans. Or I feel like if it is asking you to improve, it's to improve in one direction to become the alpha male. Yes. Yes. Literally. Yes. yes. To become a prototype that might appeal to someone on the the meme verse. Yeah. Yeah, That's how I feel about it for sure. Yeah. Um, Which maybe is attractive to one kind of person, but definitely not universally attractive. No. And a lot of the stats even say that. Women just like confidence in general. Like if you're a confident jerk, a woman will like you. It's the confidence usually that women are attracted to. But if you're just a dick without confidence, then women don't like you. This is going to lead well into the next study that I have here, which is from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. It's called Dominance, Pro-Social Orientation, and Female Preferences. Do nice guys really finish last? Oh, I have that study too. Oh. No, go. <laughs> I have, I, no, I just had it. I have like one line okay. from it. You have, the, you have it. Um, this was three multi-method studies that were to test whether women's attraction to men is influenced by their pro-social orientation. Pro-social orientation being more like the prestigious man that we were looking at in the last study. I don't know why they came up with that name prestigious. I don't feel like that's what prestigious means. I think that was just their label for something. Yeah. Just to put that out there. I know. Every time I hear the word prestigious, I'm just like, my head's going somewhere else. Yeah. Doesn't that mean like kind of lofty, like a prestigious? I always just think like award, like a prestigious award. Like it's. Oh, inspiring respect and admiration, having high status. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So that kind of. I just don't have the connotation in my head, but yeah, no, the definition same. is correct. <laughs> All right. I'll All right. Give... Fine, scientists. You <laughs> win this one time <laughs> for multiple PhDs. So we're looking here at pro-social orientation, and I mean that makes sense too. That like if someone is inspiring respect and admiration, they're not being a dick. Like they are pro-social, which also implies being helping, being sharing, caring for others. They identified agreeableness and altruism Mm -hmm. as qualities of pro-social orientation. Yep. To look at pro-social orientation, they contrasted it with dominance. And in study one, pro-social men were rated as more physically and sexually attractive, socially desirable, and desirable as partners. Dominant men were not seen as more attractive than non-dominant men. In study two... Pro-social orientation still affected attraction. There was an interactive function of dominance and pro-social tendencies. Women were more attracted to men who were both pro-social and dominant. In study three, male pro-social tendencies and dominance interacted to affect women's attraction. Backs up what happened in study two. The result of this, the summation here, dominance alone did not increase any form of attraction that was measured. Dominance only increased sexual attraction when the person was already high in agreeableness and altruism in prosocial behavior. Yep. So you got to be nice. Otherwise, your dominant behavior won't make any difference in whether someone is attracted to you. Yep. 
that's the thing is that there's nuance to all of these conversations because it's easy to just assume women like quote unquote jerks and it's like Maybe like one percent of women do, or something. Like maybe someone has like a weird. <laughs> yeah, kink. Every, everyone who <laughs> follows my meme page. <laughs> I also found a study that says maybe the stereotype comes from like we've talked about before, like avoidant men attach well to anxious yes. attachment style, and that is like a classic pairing, and almost always do avoidant avoidant attachment, attachment style. Uh, yeah, will almost always exclusively be with anxious attachment style people. So. It's not that women like that, like assholes, they like avoidant men. In that particular situation, that's not an umbrella for all of women. Agree. And a lot of that probably comes from having uh, an avoidant father. Uh, Yeah, that actually, (laughs) yes, that is partial what they think that comes from. Yeah, it's like abandonment issues and having usually a shitty dad. Yeah, my therapist said that um, avoidant people have to partner with anxious attachment people because... Healthy attachment style people won't stay with them. Like they won't tolerate it. Yep. That's what this said too. It's like if someone doesn't have either of those attachment styles and they're with Mm -hmm. someone that's an avoidant attachment style, they're like, you're an asshole. Like I don't have to put up with this. Like I'm going to leave. Yes. And unfortunately, we do see a lot of shitty fathers who are then raising kids to have issues in this area. Yeah. I did see though that – in a lot of these studies that um, it gets better the older you get. A lot of this affects more younger people. I used to think I had an anxious attachment style, but now I think I've just dated some really shitty people. But the yeah. fact that I like never stayed with them forever, like wh- I was the one to break it off with all of those people. That means that like... That's growth. I- yeah. And at some point you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like I don't want to put up with this, which means you are the healthier party. Yep. Who isn't willing to. And I think that is what that data is coming from is like even when you're younger and you are more insecure and you do have lower self-esteem and you are yep. like your brain still fucking mush, you know, like you're still figuring all this True. stuff out. You're more likely to deal with aberrant behaviors yes. because you're like, well, I, uh? yeah, the first job I had sucked and I thought it was the best I could do. I was like, oh, yeah, we get one 10 minute break every four hours and you can't go to the bathroom outside of your break and you clock in and out for your 10 minute break. Oh, I got a 50 cent raise on minimum wage. And I was like, this is a great job for me. Yep, because you don't know any better. Literally. Which this is all the same fucking argument that the creepy dudes who are in their 30s Mm -hmm. plus dating 19-year-olds have. It's because their brain's still mush and they will tolerate all my shitty fucking behavior and not call me out on it and not know how to stand up for themselves. And they're preying on that vulnerability and that's what they're fucking going for. That's so awful. I've had a dude straight up tell that to my face. It's just like... Like, why are you, like, skeezing on all these girls in their 20s? Like, you're in your 40s. And he straight up said, he's like, a woman my age or even close to my age isn't going to put up with me. They're not going to deal with me. I, like, don't have a job or, like, I have, like, a shitty job and my parents support me. And a person my age is not going to tolerate that. But a younger girl's going to be like, cool, you have your own apartment and a car? Fuck yeah, that rules. And we've all been there. Oh, yeah. I have been that 19-year-old girl or the one in their 20s who's like, wow, what a catch. And then, <laughs> an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and then later I'm like, mm, this is like a back house behind someone else's house that isn't even zoned for residential living. So yes. <laughs> I'm thinking of a garage specifically that oh. lived in. Oh, no. A converted garage. Oh, are a we? garage nonetheless. Are we? 
Oh. <laughs> well, I'm just going to cut out someone's name, but just to specify, I've dated multiple people who've lived in converted garages. Well, because you, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I know. I was like, but wasn't that a converted <laughs> But I was in a house, so. It was, it was a different converted garage. I have also lived in a converted garage. I was 19, and I would still live in a converted garage, but you better, like, doll it up nice and don't pretend it it is something else. Yeah, it's a converted garage. Don't put it as a fourth bedroom, okay? <laughs> glorified closet all right <laughs> uh, yeah i don't think they're required to have windows so that's one way that you know yeah i think yeah it's like rooms have room to have to. Yes. windows and they have to have a closet to be considered a bedroom so even if the closet's like fucking tiny and uh, it has one tiny window that's a bedroom yes um the last thing i was gonna get to is a joe rogan clip that i watched oh, today <laughs> It just came up as suggested. <laughs> of after, course it did. After researching all of this. This was the funny thing about looking up alpha males. But if I were to like go to a library and look at books, I feel like there would be a lot more to read about alpha males and debunking the myths. But I'm online. I'm on the internet here. And when you just Google alpha males, alpha male myths, confidence, alpha males, studies, it's so much pickup artist rhetoric. Yep. It's just crazy. So you have to sift through a lot of that and be like, no, 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 no. I want the other side of things. But one of those things that came up, Adam Conover, who does Adam Ruins Everything, which have you watched it? Or yeah, yeah. Like it? yeah. I know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're fun. Um, he was interviewed by Joe Rogan and it was to talk about his piece on alpha males. Adam was saying that he got the strongest reaction from that clip compared to any other clip he's put out, like more angry people, more people saying how wrong he was. People being emotional. <laughs> and... um. I'm going to guess they were mostly men. I would, yeah. <laughs> I would highly guess it was like 98 plus percent and then some pick me's. Yeah, no, right. I know how many girls are going to be like, what are you talking about? Alpha males aren't real. Fuck you. It's like, mm. yeah. Yeah. And he called it something. I don't remember. He had a fancy term for it that I liked, but it was about how defensive you get when someone threatens something that relates to your identity. Not just something that you superficially agree or disagree with, but like if deep seated held belief. Yeah. I mean, specifically identity. Like if you're someone who identifies as an alpha male and someone says, oh, that's bullshit. Like I, I get it. I would get emotional, too. <laughs> <laughs> I would also harass someone online and tell them to go kill themselves. Oh, masculine trait. Yeah. Um, but Joe Rogan. I don't know what I don't know about that guy. I mean, I immediately hate him every time I hear him talk. But then other people are like, well, he just interviews lots of different people. So, you know, it's not him. He just but he also gives them the platform. He gives them the platform. Right. Yes. And he also had that problem with Spotify where he kept using the N word in his episodes and they had to be pulled. Like Joe Rogan was saying the N word. Yeah. Let me see. So N word Joe Rogan. Oh, God, this is going to be a great Google search. <laughs> yeah, it is him using it. So. Yeah, it was a compilation of compilation him using racial slurs. <laughs> oh my god, your Google thinks it's gonna think you're like some fucking incel. They already do. <laughs> Looks like it was more than twenty times in oh. the clips from different podcast episodes. He's got some bad ideas, but in this one where Adam was talking about alpha males, Joe was going on that like there is something hardwired in women to believe that athletic men are attractive tall men are attractive joe's also very short yes. like i feel like he was maybe just feeling a little threatened and i will say unfortunately the women prefer tall men thing is uh very very true sorry yeah. no i i 
I, I'm here to <laughs> attest to that, unfortunately. <laughs> I want to subvert that norm, but in my personal preference, I do not. So then Adam was saying, like, well, we shouldn't base all of this off of evolutionary biology, making the same argument that we have been making and saying, like, people are just taking a little piece of science and running with it. He also made the point that evolutionary psychology, he was calling it, is used to justify behavior that we see around us. And he used the example of slavery, where people would say, well, there's a hierarchy and white people are superior. And that's why we have slaves. So we take the thing we see and then we say that we'll find an evolutionary reason to explain it. Yep. Again, just explaining your shitty behavior with a tiny grain of sand of a scientific truth. But Adam just had some great retorts to everything that Joe was saying. And I was really enjoying watching him kind of be pressed by Joe Rogan and then come back with like, well, actually, um, I actually have these little facts and I have this little data. I can. I actually want to watch this now. He that's his whole thing is like debunking bullshit Mm -hmm. and like him having the facts to back it up. So I can see him being calm, cool and collected about it and just like being like a dude like actually, man, like here's this thing about that. He looked a little flustered, but I just felt like Rogan was also getting pretty aggro. And I was like, God, I really fucking hate Joe Rogan right now. And well, think that's that what steroids do to you. Adam, so. he looks like he's on steroids for yeah, sure. Yes. I would bet money. Yeah. And Adam was like librarian vibes with his little glasses. Um, but while Joe is going on about how muscly, athletic, confident men are the ones that women are hardwired to want to fuck, I was like, I mean, between Adam and Joe right now, like, uh, uh, <laughs> it's no competition. Not at all. Mr. Joe Rogan. I could not want to get farther away from you. So that was a little bit, it's a little bit meta, you might say. One might. One might. And then I get that confidence is attractive, but to find this one prototype that it seemed like Joe Rogan was kind of laying out of, no, this is the kind of person that women are attracted to. I was picturing like the brooding kind of quiet boy who's like got the floppy hair and like yeah. he's a writer and like he's a loner. But yeah, you I want to take him. Yes. And actually, <laughs> a lot of the studies did say women like that. They like yes. I'm the solace in their life. Women enjoy that kind of dynamic as well. Yeah. Joe's argument was that from an evolutionary standpoint, women want these big, strong athletes like protectors. But then... Today, I mean, you think about programmers, you think about like the tech industries, software development, computer engineers. Those are probably some of the most high paid men these Mm -hmm. days. And they are actually the most capable of providing and protecting through their material wealth. And that's not a skill set that's linked to physicality at all. No. And they're, you know, in polyamorous relationships and orgies in the Bay. So (laughs) (laughs) they're doing fine. And they literally are. Yes. And they literally are. (laughs) I live there. I, I saw it. I witnessed. Yep. I did go to one orgy. I don't know who was a programmer there, but... The computer geeks in Silicon Valley aren't... (laughs) They're not suffering from a lack of fucking... The comments on this video... Oh, God. Why? Never read the comments. I had to. No. I'm a scientist. You're a masochist. (laughs) No, you're a masochist is what you are. Joe not getting angry throughout this interview was the most alpha thing ever. Having Joe and this guy in the same room literally proves that they're alphas and betas. Every time I don't feel like working out, I watch this interview. (laughs) Testosterone is a hell of a drug. Oh, my God. Yeah, me looking at these male commenters like, I'm a conventionally attractive female, and I can tell you, I mean, you could pay me to fuck you, but it'd be a lot of money. You can't afford it. (laughs) I was going to say you couldn't, but there is a price. There is a price. It's just very high. Maybe just seven plus figures. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Adam makes 
he makes his point. They do come to an agreement by the end that, like, yes, Alpha and Beta isn't based in science. And Adam can see is that, like, yes, confidence is attractive, improving yourself, working on yourself. Sure, that will help you be more attractive to women and be more successful in your life. But no scientific backing or evolutionary biology around this Alpha, Beta, dominance, submissive kind of concept that we have heard about. Yeah. All of these gender normed myths and what we like and what we don't like, yeah. none of it is real. It's literally just stereotypes. Yes. That's all it is. Yes. There's no basis in any of this. There's like, it's either nuanced or it's more, it's complicated. It's not so black and white, which is a lot of what this problem is, is a lot of this rhetoric in alpha male pickup artist bullshit is all very black and white. Mm-hmm. People are nuanced. And I think that's the theme of almost every episode. It's like yeah. consent and nuance, people. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. I am Sanders Memes on Instagram. And I am TXGothGF. And we are SadGap.Podcast. You can email us at SadGap.Podcast at gmail.com. Send us a little note, a question, comment. We love to hear from you. Yes, and please go on over to Spotify and give us a five star over there. And then go on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five star. And you can write a review. Woo! Please. We'll keep you guys updated about the website and, you know, a place you can just send your friends and your family. It depends on your family. I mean, I what, you got like a cool sister. Okay. But you I got see. like a cousin, you guys go smoke weed at Thanksgiving, okay? Right. <laughs> this is personal experience. No, that's just like the meme where it's just like. Oh, yes. The <laughs> when cousin, you have that cousin at Thanksgiving, you go like, for a walk. You go for a walk. <laughs> you come back like. True. I wish, I, I mean, I wish weed I know. did it for me like it used to. Oh, I would gotcha. love to just smoke weed and then be really hungry and pig out at Thanksgiving. That sounds nice. Yeah. I wish I had family that I could connect with. That's where I was going to go. Oh, man. Okay. That's. What? <laughs> That's sadder than my lamenting about weed. <laughs> whatever, whatever. We're sad girls. Don't be a beta cuck. And we're stronger together. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.